0: Well, thank you again for taking the time to make the time and listen in, join in. Uh, you can certainly find this broadcast on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, J Fuller Interviews. Join the Facebook group, J Fuller Interviews. We're also on Instagram and Twitter as J Fuller Interviews. And now and on all the podcast channels, you can certainly subscribe there, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts as the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of J Fuller Interviews interviews i certainly believe people's stories make our stories much better if we will take the time to listen unlearn and relearn and one with a great story right now is chad wilkerson chad welcome in
1: hey jeff i'm glad to be here thank you for taking the time to uh let me be on the podcast
0: well, definitely. And first of all, from uh, Doug Gottlieb's All Ball uh, podcast that you were on uh, last week, I just want to say happy anniversary. And uh, how is your wife's pregnancy with your fourth boy coming?
1: Oh, it's going great, actually. We, uh, we just uh, narrowed in on a midwife uh, that's worked for us. And uh, so our fourth boy, we have a five, a four, a one, and a, and a newborn coming in March. So uh the, the real envy of our home is, is my wife, Michelle. Uh, she's doing great. Thank you for asking.
0: And if you'd be so kind, tell me your son's names.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy <clears throat> to. Uh, I'm passionate about my sons. Uh, and people who follow me on Instagram, they know this. I have a nickname for the three of them. I call them the Stallions. And it's kind of picked up a little bit of steam. Uh, people enjoy that. They have some, some unique names. Uh, my five-year-old is Ace wilkerson my four-year-old is um pierce wilkerson and then my my little, uh, one-year-old little i don't know how he came out blonde but he's bright blonde looks like a, a swedish viking his name is gunner with an ar um and then we uh we have one coming in um in march i don't know why but we're going to name rip <laughs> so uh it, it, they're fun they're they're amazing young men
0: now, there's so much I want to get to, but I want to start off with bookandaball.org, and just bring that up. This is a nonprofit that you're associated with. I, myself, was orphaned, was adopted, grew up right here in the great state of Vermont. But uh, being an orphan, I was just really uh, mesmerized, compelled, found fascinating. Bookandaball.org. What prompted this to get started? Just it. that's a, a
1: great, that's a great question, right? So I, it's, it, for two years, I honestly felt like God was telling me to do something like this. And I kept saying, No, I'm a coach. I'm a am trainer. I'm a coach. I'm not in nonprofit. My mom has been a nonprofit um, administrator and, and uh, basically an international operator of a successful nonprofit for years now. My brother was a nonprofit attorney for a while. Uh, and I was like, I don't want to do nonprofit. And God kept just. Bible and a ball, Bible and a ball, <laughs> Bible and a ball, and uh, so interesting enough, I, I the, the dad said, I said, "Okay, God, yes, okay, I'll do it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start giving uh, sports equipment, balls, and, and books, Bibles." For, uh, it's Saturday, and I said, "All right, I'll do it." And that night at, at church, uh, an, an, a little bit older woman uh, came up to me. And she didn't know this, but I'd asked my brother who was a nonprofit attorney. I said, Hey, how can you help me start a 501 C three for the brother, the brother cost? He said, I, it'll be eleven hundred dollars 1150 Eleven fifty. Eleven $1,150. So I said, okay, I'll see if I can get, well, that night at church, this, this woman came up to me and she said, God told me to, to do this. And she slipped me $1,200 bills. said, thank you, Lord. I got $50 for dinner. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, uh, And I said, I know. She goes, I don't know what this is for. I said, I do. With tears in my eyes, I said, this is the start booking them. And so that night it started, and we've been giving uh, books and balls to orphans uh, for the last four years.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And I do have to admit, and uh, I grew up, I'm a pastor and uh, grew up in a church, and We did some missions work, and I always thought uh, a basketball would be the most appropriate, but it seemed as though they wanted more soccer balls than basketballs. Did that break your heart?
1: No. I grew up playing soccer. I'm a huge uh, English Premier League fan. I watch a ton of soccer. And so we do give out way more soccer balls than we do uh, basketballs. And we do it basically – just what's appropriate to the region and what our our teams are asking for. And most of the time the teams are saying, hey, can you please send us soccer balls? And so we've sent thousands of soccer balls, but I'm also happy to say that there's parts of the world, uh, like the Philippines and different places that uh, basketball is the number one sport. And so we've been able to send basketballs to them and a lot of uh, local outreaches that we've done domestically. uh, We've done basketballs and of course, is my A one sport. Uh, so I enjoy seeing a, a young a young boy's or young girl's face light up when they, they hold up a bat, But it's the same with the soccer ball. I mean it's
0: yeah. Well I loved choice. how you shared I loved how you shared on the uh, All Ball podcast with Doug Gottlieb. Um, And it's amazing to me how many guests that Doug has on that has some sort of faith background. And I keep praying for Doug. He graciously joined me. And I just think it's a great opportunity. But uh, something that you mentioned for those kids that receive what we would call a cheap ball, an inexpensive ball, not a name brand, full grain leather. As you shared before, it just means the world to them. Can you just share a little bit about that joy that you've been able to experience?
1: Yes, it's amazing. I could tell you several stories. Uh, I, I'm reminded of one uh, that happened uh, in uh, Uganda where it was an all-girls school. Um, these girls been orphaned, and uh, there was about 300 of them. And the team that we had there was uh, ministering to these uh, girls through uh, different projects. And they were doing uh, reading time and and educational things, and then it became time for recreation time. And so they went out to this dirt field, and uh, one of the one of the lead uh, the leaders of the team pulled out one of our book and a ball soccer balls. It was a seven dollar soccer ball, and he pulled it out, and here's three hundred girls. He pulled it out and lifted it above his head. And they all started cheering <laughs> and celebrating and jumping up and down. 300, 300 girls jumping up and down around this uh, around this, uh, this leader of the, of, the, of the team, holding up the soccer ball. And then he was able to give each one of them their very own. And it's oh, like, well. uh, it, it's so simple. But here's the cool thing about on a ball is we're matching that joy of sport with the transformational word of God, these books, they're called the book of of hope. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like, it's it's life giving. It's life giving to them. And it's just so exciting uh, to, to be able to bless them with that. And uh, it's, it's actually one of the best parts of my, uh, of, of my career has been booking a ball.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And again, uh, we have Coach Wilkerson. You can find that Coach Wilkerson4 on Twitter and Instagram, Coach Wilkerson4. And so I just want to ask you because All Ball with Doug Gottlieb is about basketball, about your journey. Uh, so, first question that I'm only five, nine, and three quarters, and I love basketball, but how tall did you end up?
1: I'm six, six. Uh, my dad was a high school coach, and he was smart enough to teach me guard skills because I was I, I was six six hundred and fifty pounds when I went to college. So I, I wasn't gonna uh, I wasn't gonna get layups in the post. So he taught me skill, uh, shooting and dribbling and uh, I was able to have a, a long career uh, because of that skill level. Um, and uh, I'm grateful for what basketball's provided for me. Um only an education a college education and then as as a career until i was 30 i played professionally so it was quite a journey
0: yeah and i uh remember listening that you thought of going to liberty but you ended up going to oru uh were you ever uh heartbroken the fact that you chose oru instead of liberty
1: not at all i uh I had the, the most incredible experience at ORU, um, both on the court and off the court, and, and I tell I tell kids all the time when they're choosing a college, uh, it's important uh, to to play in several factors, and and one of the main factors for me uh, in choosing ORU was faith-based a university where I could get a Division One basketball experience. And there's not a lot of that out there, but the the fruit of that. Is the relationships I was able to build with my teammates, especially my teammates, five of whom have uh, churches now and who are the most solid men of God and family guys. Not perfect, they're still dudes, uh, but I'm talking about a brotherhood, a deep relationship, a brotherhood. Uh, I could name their names, and, and uh, they're one, they're a text or a call away, and I got their back, they're brothers. And to get that at, at, at a university, I might have been able to get that at Liberty, I'm sure, at some level. But yeah. what I got at ORU oh, filled my tank. Uh, lifelong friends. I'm so thankful I chose that. I would choose ORU again and again.
0: And you had the opportunity to play under a tremendous coach at ORU. What did you know about Coach Self before you went? All
1: I knew before uh, I went to ORU uh, with co- to play for Coach Self. Was the recruiting. And I, I told a little bit about the recruiting story of uh, how they, I was kind of like the fourth freshman they recruited that year. They brought in four, and I was the fourth one. Uh, but what I didn't tell on Doug's uh, podcast, the story, they were recruiting me, but it was real light. You know, and Coach self oh, I think he was a little iffy about me. And then he saw me play uh, in the Great American Shootout, which was at that time was one of the last AAU events held in Dallas, Texas, and I played for the number one team probably in Texas, but definitely in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Kenyon Martin was on our team. We had about 10 Division one players, and I started on that team at the point guard, six-point guard, and afterwards Coach Self said, I saw what I needed to see. Uh, we're we're, we're, we're going to recruit you a little heavier. So then I went to team camp at RU with my high school team, and uh, Coach Self came to several games uh, there to watch me. there on campus. And I had a little bit of an attitude. I was a little cocky. I talked back to the referee. And I remember Coach said, hey, I want to talk to you after the game. And he took me back in uh, nearly the locker room uh, behind the gym there at Old Roberts University. And he said, uh, Chad, we we, uh, we think you're, you're shooting as an eight. Uh, you're, you're passing as is a, is a seven and a half, which is great for a shooting guard. Your are dribbling is high. Level. Your attitude is a two said, I can promise you two things if you come play for me at Oral Roberts. He said, number one, if you ever act like you're acting out there in your high school games, I'm going to stick my size nine so far up your blankety blank. You won't know what hits you. And number two, I'm going to work your dick into the dirt. And, hmm. and you hear all these stories, these blue chip basketball players being begged to come. He basically told me, "Hey, bro, I'm going to check you. I'm going to coach you hard. I'm going to make you better. Do you want to come here?" And I said, "Yes, I want to. I, I want to work. I want." And so uh, I'm so grateful myself for that kind of um, honesty. I needed to check myself and my attitude, uh, but also, I mean, listen, college basketball is work. Yeah. A job at, 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 I mean, at, at the high level, it's a job, man. And you got to be, I mean, it, you got to have some grit about you. And Coach Self was phenomenal at bringing out the middle grit in individual players and collectively as a group.
0: That's really cool. Um, yeah, and it's Well, I I just go back because your faith background, mine, some people would say Christians are soft. Now, we aren't supposed to be cocky, but how do you mix that being competitive with having the right attitude, but still being competitive and not backing down?
1: I love that question. Uh, It's an incredible uh, misnomer that Christians are soft. And I have examples from my college days of the young men on our team who were uh, the strongest day actually having the um, the, the, the deep, like toughness, uh, the, the, the grit, the fortitude to push through, we're the young men with faith. And so mm-hmm. I, I used to tell, uh, my players this, and I really believe this. It's, it's so easy to say, um, attribute of Jesus, our mercy, grace, and love. But it's also true that Jesus was tough. Jesus had grit jesus this is the toughest dude to ever walk on the face of the earth so if i'm a follower of him i have access to that kind of toughness yeah. to that kind of uh uh he's just he's righteous he's he's uh he's powerful man uh jesus is powerful and so those all the you can and here's what i, think, I love to my players as far as jesus was merciful he was also that way in justice and 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 in righteous uh, indignation. So we don't have to pick certain aspects of being a follower of Christ. We have access to all the attributes that Jesus uh, has, and to in my opinion, I, I can I can actually prove it out uh, with uh, the, the careers of some of my teammates and the ones who were deep in faith. They excel. They overheat.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's very well said. And I just want to go now to uh, Impact Hoops, ImpactHoops. Co. It's where you can find information. What led you to basketball training? Was that just because you love the sport so much, or are you still wanted to invest in people's lives and using a piece of leather filled with air gave you that opportunity?
1: I think that everyone's uh, journey and in, in, in their career, um, there's there's different um, there's different seasons. And there's a season of uh, ambition where I'm going to go get it. I'm gonna... And then I also think there's the season of contribution. And I really feel uh, that I'm in a season of contribution where uh, I'm, I, I want to be a lifelong learner and, and continue to, to grow in my knowledge of the game. But what God has blessed me with being around the Bill South, the Bill Jabars, the different uh, high-level coaches in Europe that I played for, uh, to to receive that knowledge. Now I want to contribute and give back, uh, and I'm focusing on on young people, fifth through twelfth graders, where I can really uh, impart some of the things that I was blessed with to, to to gain the knowledge and the game of basketball, and contributing and give that back. To them. And skill training is um, it's a growing it's a growing need, and uh, it's exciting to be a part and to see. It doesn't matter what level the, the young man or young woman is on. To see that growth, that's that's fun.
0: Yeah, and I know uh, for us here in Vermont, basketball practice is going to begin this coming Monday, which we're excited about. It's going to look uh, really different. But just being able to impact people's lives and play a fun sport, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that. Uh, but Coach Wilkerson, Coach Wilkerson4 on Instagram and Twitter, I just want to um, have you transition the conversation from playing at ORU to playing professionally, when did you realize you might have that opportunity?
1: Well, I was fortunate my, my senior year of college to be the Conference Player of the Year. Um, and at that time, it was called the mid Summit. And all of a sudden, I started getting calls from agents. And um, the pinnacle of my basketball dreams were ORU, actually. When I was a 13, 12-year-old kid, I dreamed about playing at ORU, and going to the NCAA tournament, uh, we came up uh, just a a few points short in the championship against Valparaiso my senior year. Uh, But after getting calls from these agents saying, hey, would you like to play uh, professionally? And I started to contemplate it, talk to my parents. Uh, I had uh, a few job offers to get into coaching and to actually get into being an assistant pastor. the, I went, actually went to Coach Self's office. He was at Tulsa University at that time. And, and I said, Coach, what, what's your advice going to play? play <laughs> yeah, as long as you can. And so I kind of went on a journey. Of, I didn't really have the super ambition to, to play in the NBA. Uh, if I really embraced the opportunity to play in different countries and learn different cultures, it really shaped me as a person in a deep way and probably led to to my desire to do Book on a vault. Uh, but I had, a, uh, I had a nice run, I made, I made it all the way to uh, the Dallas Mavericks summer league team, was considered to make it uh, on the roster at the Mavericks didn't make it. Uh, had a very fruitful career in Europe.
0: What year was that that you were uh, with the Dallas Mavericks?
1: I want to say 2004, 2003, 2004. Uh, players on our team that, that people would recognize and remember, uh, they had Josh Howard and Marquise Daniels that they had just brought in. They had just uh, drafted Devin Harris. Um, and so we had a nice summer league team. Before the Las Vegas summer league, we were actually – we played in Long Beach and then went to Salt Lake City uh, and played in Salt Lake City. Great experience uh, to play with uh, that level of basketball. And let me say this, quick. Uh, because I talked a little bit about this on Dust uh, podcast, the difference between college basketball and 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 then professional nba the best basketball that i ever was a part of was in the Mavericks practice gym in the summertime when maybe four or six of the mavericks were still uh, playing and we had several pros from uh, rod gregoire who's making a ton of money in china like real pros like real pros i remember we were we were playing pickup down in the uh Practice gym, American Airlines, and it's kind of sunk down in the, the the practice gym, and above are the offices with the glass. Windows. I remember looking up, uh, and and above in the offices was Dell Harris, um, Don Nelson, Don Nelson Sr., uh, Mark Cuban. There, uh, the entire you know Mavericks brain trust, yeah, and we're down here playing in front of them. And you talk about a high level of basketball. You talk about defense. You talk about uh, communicating with your teammates. I mean, and we're playing pickup. It's the best basketball I've ever played, been a part of. I'm talking about high-level basketball yeah. uh, that was so much higher than what I played in Division One, actually. So um, that was a neat experience.
0: And uh, I've had the opportunity to interview a couple people that said nobody ever wants to find their way outside of the NBA, but they were grateful of the experiences of traveling around the world, playing overseas, internationally, that culture. For you, did that excite you, that opportunity to go overseas, or were you apprehensive to experience a different culture?
1: A little bit of both, you know, it's 23, getting on playing, plane, going to a... Uh Budapest Hungary. hungry. Um, I get off the, you know, you get off the, the last plane trip. I land there in Budapest. I, I walk out. I don't know who is picking me up. There's actually a guy He's no English holding up a sign. It says it's written Chad Wilkerson. I get into a little vehicle uh, with him. He's driving me around Budapest at some crazy speed and then drops me off at, at a hotel and says, Coach, Coach, Coach. Coach will be here, <laughs> okay. And <laughs> so there are a lot of unknowns um, early on, and uh, but once once I kind of embraced, uh, and this was a, it was a God thing. Once I embraced uh, the the idea of immersing myself in the culture, I started doing things way different. It was it was about three months in my mm-hmm. first experience. I started saying to my teammates, say you. Know, do you want to go? Eat that do you want to go to McDonald's? No. Where Where do you eat? Oh, we eat this little Hungarian corner yeah. bakery. <clears throat> well, let me try it. And then to be open to the foods, the culture, the people, the uh, I was so blessed um, because at an early age, my parents taught me that the journey and. Building relationships are where the gold is. And I have friends in Portugal, Hungary, Turkey, uh, England, all over the world because of the game of basketball. It's really neat.
0: Oh definitely again uh coach workerson four on Instagram and Twitter if uh, you're just joining in check out bookandaball.org bookandaball.org and uh we just want to continue the conversation just about basketball and I am just so grateful um to have you on but my question now is what makes a good coach I know that uh you now work with different coaches and player developers but in your opinion what for you what did you need for a good coach to uh, really get you to the next level?
1: That's a, that's a great question. And that's a, uh, you know, I think is I've seen coaches who, who do it at a very high level consistently, there's the, there's the, the marriage of a great system um, with great people skills and, and hmm. really managing people and pouring into people and, and, and you got to be—I mean, to be honest with you—you you need to be heavy into the, the relationship building, the trust factor. harder and harder to get people to trust you. Back in the day, just do what your coach said. Now, you know, there's a little, there's so much information out there that um, you got to build that relationship. You got to have a great system. And, and I also—I really believe this. I and I tell young coaches this: um, coach your personality. Don't try to be someone you're not. You're not going to – there's there's not going to be another Bill Self. I created one of those. There's not going to be another Steve Kerr. Or, uh, you can pick up ideas and maybe even some strategies and things you really love from those type of coaches, but you need to coach your, who you are. You need to be authentic. And I think the players can sense that, and, and I know players can – they, they want a coach who's prepared, who's done his homework and has a system. Uh, but they also want someone who cares. Players want someone who cares. And that's the little thing about skill training is really uh, creating a relationship with my, with, my, with my clients, with my athletes. It's all my care. I, I care how you do in your game. I care how you, you do in your practice. I care. I care how, I care how you are as a young person.
0: That's so good. Again, uh, Chadwick Wilkerson, uh, just staying on with us. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that you said you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as a coach. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it was a USBL, uh, and uh, that was a league that when we played overseas, you'd come back home, and there was a league in the USBL from, I want to say, late April, uh, May, June and July, the championships were in July. So a lot of us played professionally overseas. We'd come home, and to make just a little extra money, we'd play in the USBL. And it was an incredible league. There was teams in New York, Florida, um, Kansas, Oklahoma. I played for the Oklahoma Storm. We won the uh, World Championships. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was our coach. The next year, I played for the, the Texas Rim Rockers. And then halfway through the season, I left them and this is kind of a funny story. I went up to New York to play for the Adirondack Wildcats, and I replaced none other than Terrell Owens, the wide receiver, who was trying his hand at minor league basketball. And <laughs> in the first game I played with the Adirondack Wildcats, I was the two-guard. Uh, we played the Florida team, who was owned by Roy Jones Jr., wow. the boxer, trying his hand at minor league basketball. And so I was actually guarding uh, Roy Jones Jr., uh, replacing I mean, it, it was wild. Uh, we had incredible coaches: um, Daryl Dawkins coached the Pennsylvania Valley Docks. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar coached the Oklahoma Storm; uh, Cliff Levinson coached uh, in Kansas; uh, Robert Reed coached the Texas River Rockers. We had all these NBA legends uh, coaching in the league. It was we played with the red, white, and blue uh, rock basketball. Yeah. It was it was incredible, incredible experience.
0: What is it about basketball that you think uh, makes it such a great sport?
1: Oh, that's a great question, Jeff. Uh, there's a couple things that, to me, make it a great sport. Uh, the team aspect uh, is the the synergy it requires, and you can see it. When you see a team like the Miami Heat last year make that run, it wasn't just their, 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 their play was off the charts, but you could feel the spirit. Of the bench, the players, the coaches—they started to have a synergy, a, a, a cohesiveness, a belief that kind of transcended uh, their level, at that point. And, and and they overachieved and made it to the finals. And and uh, it's, it's that that aspect of basketball when you need the, the synergy of the team aspect. And then what I like about basketball is. It's a it's a, a pleasing game to the eye. There's a lot of scoring. There's a lot of movement. There's speed to it. I love fast basketball. I'm attracted to teams that play with pace, uh, and, and, it, and it's, the game is getting faster and faster as as we watch it. Uh, but it's just it's a beautiful game. It's it, when played correctly with player movement, ball movement, it's very pleasing to the eye. Uh, it, it's exciting.
0: time now uh so i'm gonna to have to let you go but chad thanks so much for uh sticking with us and hopefully i'll have a better connection next time but we wish you all the best and uh a book and a ball.org book org. a ball.org. we'll make sure we uh, post that everywhere we go hey thanks so much chad
1: thank you
0: And again, you are listening to Jay Fuller Interviews, Jay Fuller Interviews on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Apologies about the technical difficulties. Hopefully, we'll have those sorted out uh, soon for next time. Thanks, all. We'll talk to you again.